Today on the Zabecast, another fantastic finish to the NFL season. I'll have my recap of the Packers' win of the Bears to clinch the one seed, the Wolfskins and the Eagles, plus thoughts on the patent absurdity of Texas firing Herman and Michigan keeping Harbaugh. All that, plus you can retire the trophy on the greatest trophy you've ever seen. A gloriously refreshed and vibrant bonus. 40 minutes of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Monday, January 4th, 2021. So glad to get to say that. And as Maximus once proclaimed... Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Not entertained. I am scrambling on a Sunday night on the final day of the regular season in the NFL to get this podcast out to you people. What you talking about, you people? I want to get it out at the usual time. 4 a.m. Eastern time posting, but I'm just reveling in what's happening. I had thought, you know, I should get the podcast done early in the day and then sit on my ass and watch the games and relax. But then I was like, nah, probably need to lay back just a bit because things are going to happen. You're going to probably want to lead with something different. And of course, that proved to be true. And I don't even have the Redskin game yet. Oops, sorry, the Wolfskin game yet to lead with. That game is about to go off in, say, 35 to 40 minutes. I'm recording this portion right now. The rest of the NFL on Sunday was sufficiently nuts to entertain. And yes, you gotta love it when Tennessee seemingly left for dead in a game they should have been blowing out the Texans. I guess the Texans listened to J.J. Watt's tirade the week before going, we better try, man. And the Texans tried their ass off and they damn near upset the Titans despite, despite what, a million yards rushing from Derrick Henry? Let me get the box score up here. He becomes only the eighth player in NFL history to run for 2,000 yards in an NFL season, and it takes a kicker, Sam Sloman, who sounds like he's in accounting and looks like he was did not belong in the NFL. Weird shoulder pad. He's a draft pick of the Rams who uh, washed out in October and was on the field for the game-winning field goal, was kicking only because uh, Goskowski was unavailable for the game. And he kicks the game winner, doink, off the upright and in. Derrick Henry, 34 carries, 250 yards with two touchdowns to go over 2,000 yards. My goodness. And so the Titans win the AFC South with that victory. It sends the Colts down to the seven seed as they will then travel to Buffalo next week as part of a twin triple header weekend in the NFL playoffs, the first ever in our lifetime, and it is going to be glorious. However, I have one question I need to ask. Who's going to tell our wives and girlfriends? Uh, yeah, I'm up. <clears throat> I'm busy all day. Yeah, I know it's the NFL playoffs, but you know, Saturday we're going to go over to my, my mom's house. No, it's mean, I'm busy all day Saturday. All day? <laughs> yes, all day. One o'clock, four o'clock, eight oh five. One o'clock, four o'clock, eight oh five. One o'clock, four o'clock, eight oh five. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, it's going to be glorious. 
Packers wrap up the one seed, and there was drama on the way to doing it. Uh, There was incredible passing from Aaron Rodgers. There was three near interceptions. There was a lot of Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things. And then in the end, there was Mitch Trubisky being, well, Mitch Trubisky. For all the games this year, the Packers have finished soft and didn't close strong. You're saying to yourself, I hope they close this one out. Now, uh, it looked like they were going to get done a favor by the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Come on, give me the scoreboard here just so I can have it handy. NFL scores, what is this under? Uh, they thought that they would have a little bit of help or that it looked like they might get some some backdoor help. In turn, uh, it turns out they did not need it and they are the number one seed. Shush, computer, don't talk to me right now. Like I said, I'm trying to get this part of the podcast done uh, before the Woofskins take on the Eagles, who just should be laying down tonight. You'll hear from me after the game. And you'll hear as to whether or not the Eagles laid down like they should. Uh, but the Seahawks end up beating the Niners, so the Packers did, in fact, need that victory, and they got it. Whew. Mike Evans goes down with a knee injury. The Buccaneers scheduled to visit either the Woofskins or the Giants as part of the... Uh, you know, catching the worst division winner. That game uh, is to be determined. Antonio Brown caught a couple of touchdowns uh, this weekend. I mean, it just, um, there's so much stuff. Can you tell I'm disorganized? Can you tell I'm I'm all over the place? Okay, let's just slow down here for a second, okay? We have pl- we have all week to go over the, uh, the matchups, right? You have all week to go over that. So, yeah. I just want to get to the headlines real quick because there's a couple other headlines uh, of note. <clears throat> Uh, the Ravens rushed for 400 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson made quarterback history with some number of rushes and things, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, Jackson's the first quarterback to have consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons, accomplishing the feat in his first two year, full years as starting quarterback. Uh, did have three touchdown passes on the day, 26 on the season. Not the MVP year he had last year, but still – Pretty darn good, and a Ravens season that was on the brink and that was teetering and that had COVID issues uh, comes home uh, to the playoffs, and you got to consider it a win if you are a Raven fan. The Browns get into the playoffs for the first time since 2002, but they do it in the most Cleveland browniest of ways, in which, of course, I had them as one of my locks of the week. They're up 24 to three at one point against Denhead Rudolph, and they somehow let them back into the game. And then it's a two-point conversion to save their skin. And then they managed to do it. They managed to stop Pittsburgh on the two-point conversion. And then the onside kick was, yeah, sketchy. But they were able to uh, recover and win the game, go to the playoffs, and fuck everybody like me that had Cleveland minus the three for a double lock. Arizona bounces out because Kyler Murray sprained ankle on the first play from scrimmage. And John Wolford closes it out 18 to 7. It's ugly. The Rams don't care. They'll take it. They're in the playoffs. Arizona is out. And again, that was another one of my locks. And I was looking pretty good until Kyler Murray got hurt. And then that took another one off the board. So there you go. I doubled up on both. 0 for 4. Did I make them all locks? I think I did. 
Good. I'm going to pretty much wipe out all my earnings from my 11 and 4 year, carefully selecting one lock a week in a stupid, stupid, impetuous move here on the podcast on Friday. Uh, let's see. What else is there? Okay. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to have coaching firings and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Justin Jefferson set the all-time rookie record for catches, yards, touchdowns, whatever the number was. I don't have it in front of me, but you get the point. Uh, as the Vikings win a game against the Lions, they didn't need to win. It wasn't going to matter. Kirk padded his stats, yada, yada. Who really cares on that? Saints beat the Panthers 33-7. to Drew Brees, three touchdown passes. This without Alvin Kamara, who's, of course, on the COVID list now. Uh, it's gonna uh, They're going to be unavailable. Looks like he's going to be unavailable for this game coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll see how the NFL schedules it and what they do with the rules on that. Got to give it up to the Saints, even if you do hate the fact they're a bunch of whiny bitches. They went 12-4 and this year with Drew Brees out for half the season with Michael Thomas taking a zero on the year with uh, – you know, the issues with Kamara, uh, some of the early issues with him. He was slow going. Now without him, I mean, you got to give it to him. 12-4, and four, man. That That is something else right there. Uh, the Jaguars lose to the Colts. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, yeah, boy. 30 carries, 253 yards, two touchdowns for the former Badger. Great to see him. Colts finish 11-5, and five, and they just finish out of the division title. Eleven and five wild card in the AFC. The NFC is going to have an eight and eight team, the Bears, who back in thanks to the Cardinals' loss, and they're going to have a six win team, maybe if it's the Giants, and a seven win team if it is the Wolfskins. Okay, all right. Deep breath. Did I get you? To, oh, the Bills demolished the Dolphins, fifty six to twenty six, and Tua Tagovailoa just didn't look very good. The Bills have serious mojo going on. Oh, and did I mention the Giants beating the Cowboys? Mike McCarthy is an idiot. We all know that. I've chronicled it. I was saying that before it was cool to say that, and people were saying, oh, you're being mean. He's a he's a good coach. Come on. Now everyone's on board. They know he's an idiot. Close game, and the Giants make a 10-yard completion to move the sticks late in the game to set up what was a, uh, a lead-padding field goal. McCarthy does not challenge. This despite the fact that the Giants rushed to the line of scrimmage to get the next playoff. It was a pass to Dante Pettis that was clearly an incompletion. Here's the rule of thumb for you coaches who are just too dumb to figure it out. Whenever the other team rushes to the line of scrimmage, throw the flag. Throw it right Throw it right away. They know, and that's why they're rushing. So go ahead and throw the flag. Throw the red flag. That's the, the simple rule of thumb. Of course... Andy Dalton did Andy Dalton things late and just threw it up for grabs in the end zone on third down as they went backwards from first and goal at the five. Of course, they tried to throw it on first down. They got sacked. They always started, started going in reverse. I don't know why you don't run it down there. You had plenty of time. But, you know, again, McCarthy happened. And then the Giants almost gave it back as Wayne Gallman fumbled on a breakaway run as they were just trying to run out the clock. And it looked like... The ball had squirted loose like a slimy biscuit in a pile of humanity that had to weigh four and a half tons if it weighed an ounce. And I'm like, wait, one referee pointed one direction. One referee, the head referee, pointed the other direction. Whose ball is it? Uh, Oh, my God, a cowboy has it. 
well, doesn't isn't possession nine tenths of the law? Well, they did show an angle of the replay that showed that Gallman was indeed down. He had possession before somebody punched that thing out, and the Giants almost blew it big time. Wish it, want it, you blew it. Oh, and the Patriots beat the Jets, twenty-eight fourteen. Patriots finished seven and nine, with Cam Newton having a year that really was pretty bad. He ran a little bit. He did the best he could. No wide receivers, a ton of opt-outs. Cam Newton in a very subpar year. The Patriots still finished 7-9 and nine in the much better half of the NFL side of the bracket, the AFC. Fucking Belichick, man. I, seriously. But, of course, people will say, well, Brady went 11-5 and five with the Buccaneers. So, scoreboard, Brady. Brady uh, with four touchdowns in this game uh, on Sunday against the Falcons. Uh, after Evans went down, it was like the game was kind of in doubt. 21 fourth quarter points for the Buccaneers en route to a 44-27 to win. Okay. Uh, oh, and the Chiefs. Oh, look at that score. Ah. Chargers beat the Chiefs 38-21. to <laughs> I didn't even notice that game. I didn't even look at that game. Did I get all the games there? All right. Can you tell I'm disorganized? Okay. All right. All right. With 10 minutes to kick off right now. What more can I say? College football, it seems like the games are so long ago, but I'll give you a quick brush on both of them. Dabo Swinney, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? This is going to make Jay Cottrell is going to cockwalk it big time on Thursday when he comes on the show because, man, he called it again about Dabo. Overrated. So, Ohio State came to play, and they were the better team. And Trey Sermon, <laughs> what a great name for a punishing running back, Trey Sermon. There was a hilarious gif, or gif, excuse me, that he authored, in which there was a replay in which they're all standing around the sideline waiting for it to be adjudicated. And as soon as they announced that the play had been reversed or overturned or whatever in Ohio State's favor, I'd gone to bed by the time that this happened, so... Excuse me for living. And uh, he looks up at the camera with this just Hollywood smile, and his eyes just go up to the camera like, uh-huh, told you. <laughs> Absolutely classic. Hilarious as hell. We didn't know how good Ohio State was. Nobody did. They played too few games. You could argue that Dabo was right in saying, I couldn't rank a team that had only played six games 11, he probably should have done the diplomatic thing and said, you know what, I know they've only played six. It's not their fault, though. I still think they're a really good team. I've looked at them. We've got a lot on our hands. I'm ranking them appropriately. Now, Dabo had to Dabo. Did that matter? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's the thing. There is no dipstick on desire. You can't just put it in there and go, oh, oh, you really want to win the game now because of that. All right, fine. And Alabama did Alabama things, and then, of course, they didn't cover at the end. Is covering the spread for Notre Dame, is that a moral victory of sorts? I'll let you discuss amongst yourself. Then the bombshell on Friday, Friday morning? Saturday morning. The days blend together. Friday was New Year's Day. Saturday, yes. It was Saturday morning, right as I was finishing my first weekend shift on my new station in D.C., WJFK, FM 106.7. Sports Saturday with the Zabe. Thank you, by the way, for everybody who reached out and had very kind words for me on that. More on that in just a sec. Or in just a sec, I mean, after the Wolfskin game is over. 
the big news came down late in that show. I, I couldn't believe it. I had to refresh three times. I'm like, whoa, Tom Herman is out at Texas. Wow. I think he was like 38 and 13. He had gone to bowls. He was four and one in bowls or something like that, or three and one. He'd, he had turned the program from being a complete joke into being just okay. And they cashed him out to the tune of $15 million for him, $20 million for his assistants or more. I don't even know what the number is. For Steve Sarkeesian, who, look, I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but it's amazing to think that a guy could get fired from USC for being an out-of-control drunk, and then he goes through the Nick Saban car wash for a couple of years and is going to come out making $7 million a year, probably, with a pedigree, pedigree program like Texas. The swapping out of these coaches, it's just a, there's not enough hot candidates anymore. And meanwhile, Michigan is staying with Jim Harbaugh, which you can mock all you want, and there's a lot to mock about it. But guess what? Michigan is as pseudo-relevant as Texas, but they're not spending nearly as much cash to do so. We'll talk more about targeting as the week goes on. That was a huge issue in the semifinal game as Skalski got ejected for the second straight year in the very same building in the college football playoff. And uh, we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff in college football that's going to shake out over the course of this week as we head towards the Monday championship game between the Buckeyes and the Crimson Tide, Alabama minus seven. All right, let me just take a deep breath here and then tell you one more thing before I shut it down for the moment and come back after the Wolfskin game is over. And that's this. We have apparently a nationwide queso crisis. Is everyone aware of this? If you're not, you should be. At least in the DMV we do. This is America, right? We get what we want when we want it and a lot of it. And you were never out of stuff much less a staple item of Sundays at home, like queso, queso dip. In the stores I go to, there's only one brand that has ever sold. It's by Tostitos. And so I never thought twice about it. In all my years of going to the store to get queso, and by the way, it was my daughter Catherine who really wanted the queso blanco. She says, I don't like the uh, queso from Trader Joe's that mom gets. And I'm like, all right, well, we'll go, we'll go get the Tostitos one, the queso blanco in the jar. Never once in my lifetime have I ever gone to get queso blanco and found it to be out entirely. Well, sure enough, I went to the local Harris Teeter, out entirely. Had to go check out with my incomplete order, which I hate. You're like, all right, we still got to go to another grocery store. Went two seconds down the road to the giant food and went to the aisle, made a beeline for no queso. What in the living hell? If anybody knows the story on this, let me know. I guess it's a supply chain issue, but it's not like, why is there not another national maker? If Tostitos is having a hard time producing enough cheese for America, then why isn't there a second one in the business? It just seems to me to be, I don't know, not ideal. Not the America I want to live in, that's for sure. Did we lose a war? Thank you, Homer. That's not America. That's not even Mexico. Where the cheese? If you have intel on this, let me know. Okay. 
I am going to go uh, pour myself a nice cold glass of almond milk because I am doing great on my New Year's resolutions, or at least my New Year's eating habits. Three days in, and I am Diet Coke clean for three days. All right. Don't throw a parade just yet, Baldy. I know. I know. Stay tuned. Uh, We will be back right after this with the results and a final note from the Washington football team game against the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, it is halftime, and the Wolfskins rallied to salvage a 17-14 lead at the half. Oh, after things were looking really grim, as you uh, you might have seen on my Twitter feed, I've been going crazy, flip-flopping all over the place tonight. Uh, it's that kind of night. 10-0, I'm like, the route is on. It's pick your... No, wait a minute. Oh, okay, 10-7. Relax. We're... Whoop, 14-10. Up, oh, Alex Smith can't move. They've got a camera dedicated only to Alex Smith's right leg. How about them apples, huh? And when he throws the ball, and he's made some great throws, some amazing throws with one leg, he lifts that leg up like a doggy that is going pee-pee to help protect that right leg. I mean, it's it's amazing. And yet, I don't know, man. I said I would have pulled him. I said I would have pulled him for Heineke. Not that you have to leave him out of the game. People tend to think, oh, you're going to pull him. He gives us our best chance to win. Well, it's not a starting pitcher. He could come back in later. But then end of the first half, a hard count, a big catch, and then Logan fucking Thomas, and now it's 17-14. to Woo, the second half is going to be something else. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, we kid about... Oh, Adam Gase got fired since uh, I last recorded the first segment of uh, this podcast. So, yeah, no kidding. And, of course, the Jets put out this long, tortured email, a statement from the owner, Woody Johnson. Well, we believe this. It's like, okay, whatever. Does anyone even read those things? Like, yeah, we fired Adam Gase. Of course we did. Like, why wouldn't we fire Adam Gase? Duh. Anyway, Adam Gase gets fired, and we give Mike Francesa shit, right, for being wrong all the time. How about the fact that Funhouse, his tormenting Twitter follow at back after this, at least gave him credit for seeing the disaster that was Adam Gase a mere, oh, I don't know, eight games in as a head coach? To understand that you're trying to change a culture, not to be completely dismissive and be completely dysfunctional in every way. When asked about what went on during the week, well, I don't know. No one came to me with that, so I don't know if that's really true. I don't know if that really happened. I don't know if we really did this. I don't know if this player feels the way. I didn't really feel I needed to talk to him. Huh? That's your job to talk to players. That's your job to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And the other thing is, you see, there is no culture or climate to play in. There is no direction. There is no game plan. There are no adjustments. And the most precious piece of it is the quarterback, and he's going completely backwards. You 
you've got to stop the bleeding here. Either he has to stop the bleeding himself or he's going to bleed out real quick. Because this is completely dysfunctional. This is not a football team. This is a disgrace. You go down there and lose to a team that doesn't even want to win. <laughs> so there you go. He got one right, everybody. He got one right. Meanwhile, back after this, pull this clip from Colin Coward back when Gase was hired from the Miami Dolphins. Adam Gase to the Jets, and Jet fans are clueless. I mean, they're dopes. They don't know anything. This is a really good hire. Okay, Adam Gase is Kyle Shanahan before Kyle Shanahan. But in the end, Gase is a great coach. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, well. Hey, we all make predictions like I've been making on the game tonight. They're going to win. They're going to crush them. They're going to lose. Oh, my God. Pull, pull Alex, Alex Smith. No, wait a minute. Alex Smith is a man. Uh, we, get, we get worked up like that. All right. Let's go back. I'm going back down to the basement. I'll check in with you after the game. Oh, my God. It has just gone final in Philadelphia. The Wolfskins, 20, the Eagles, 14, and the division title of NFC East goes to Washington in one of the most craptastic, unthinkably bad games you have ever seen, especially a game in which, well, there was a lot at stake. Wow. What on earth was Doug Peterson doing? This has been one of the great nights for Twitter in my in the history of sports. Maybe, uh, well, okay, that's a bit much. It, certainly in Woofskin's history. What I'm just reading my timeline with people go, what is going on here? Now the crazy thing is to go away from Jalen Hurts, the only guy who could run a bit and hurt Washington with his legs, and to put in Nate Sudfeld who sucks. Former Redskin, sixth-round pick, and to basically just make him throw the entire time, letting the defensive ends tee off on two completely green, totally in-over-their-head tackles for the Eagles. Wow. I mean, people are like, this is the biggest tank job they've ever seen. Here, let me just go through my mentions. By the way, I want to give credit. And the, 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 the Wolfskins tried to give it away twice. Steven Sims Jr., who has had a fumbling problem on punts, is still back there fielding punts for some reason. Nearly coughed it up, gave it back to the Eagles. Who, who knows if they would have scored with Sudfeld? Probably not, even though they're set up at the 30. The not going for a field goal to tie the game. Every decision you could possibly make, they'll be like, wait a minute. Seems odd. And they say that Doug Peterson is safe in Philadelphia. They say he's coming back next year. I don't know about that. I mean, the owner would have to sign off on this. These owners, by the way, the Mara family, they're assholes. The New York Mafia is not going to be happy about this. And you can say, well, stop bitching about this, Giants. You only won six games yourselves. Don't ask for another team to help get you in. That's all fine and well. But look, the Jaguars played their asses off today and lost. Uh, The Jets at least put up a credible effort. Uh, in a meaningless game against the Patriots. Uh, The Niners put up a hell of a fight and almost knocked off uh, Seattle. And uh, the Texans played unbelievably hard in battling the Titans. And yet, here the Eagles were lying down. 
and you combine the fumble with the Peterson. Well, you combine the Peterson benching of Jalen Hurts with the Andy Dalton just heave it into the end zone pick at the end of the Giants-Cowboys game with the Wayne Gallman fumble that almost gave it back to Dallas. And then how did it ultimately end? Essentially, what was the last thing that broke the straw on Sunday night? The hard count on fourth and one at the 50-yard line by Alex Smith. Hut, 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 hut. <laughs> Tommies. So, wow. I mean, this is, this game was peak NFC East. And they're going to host a game with no fans in the stands next Saturday night. Hey, America, your Saturday night just freed up. Because if the Buccaneers don't demolish this team, I mean, God bless Alex Smith, he can't move at this point. Who knows what his leg's going to feel like this week if he'll be ready to play another game in one week's time. Especially having been sacked and had that knee hit a couple times. Wow. So, yeah. Um, Let's see here. I'm, I'm missing the final seconds. I just wanted to get this underway. Uh, the game is still going on for God's sake. Six seconds left. Eagles are at their own 25. I said it had gone final. I, I kind of lied about that. I've got to get to bed. I got to go to work tomorrow. But I'm glad that I stayed up and I'm glad I didn't put this podcast to bed until the absolute last possible moment. Oh, gosh. <laughs> My man Brian Tui from The Fix is in. I love watching people in real time come to the realization that the NFL is pure theater, as I've been saying for 10 or more years. Brian Westbrook, former Eagle. This is a joke, right? Let's see. Let me get some more in here. Go to my likes. I've been plunking them along all the way here. Uh, Here was the false start that got him, that got the game under, pretty much sealed the game for Washington. You hear someone screaming like, we got him on it. Pro football talk. I still don't know what we're seeing or why we're seeing it, but I can't think of any prior time that I have ever seen it. I would agree 1,000%. Paul Connor says, Washington has now tried to fumble the ball twice to a team of players who want to win while guided by a coach who clearly does not. And then there's this from Jason Kelsey. And I don't know when this is from. He's not wearing a mask, so it's probably not from this year. But this was at a press conference. Jason Kelsey, they're all pro center with the magnificent hair and the magnificent beard and a brother who's a magnificent tight end in Kansas City talking about what it means to try to win games in the NFL. By the way, we saw this tonight in a nationally televised game with playoff implications for not one but two teams, Washington and New York, and the Eagles just laid down. And last week, J.J. Watt went on an impassioned rant about why it should matter to be a professional. An exciting time whenever somebody's going out there for the first time. Um, that being said, I think at all times in the NFL, the focus should be winning the football game. Uh, nothing else takes precedence. No player evaluation. No uh, amount of curiosity from anybody within the organization. Uh, everything is focused, in this, in my opinion, in this league, upon winning games. Uh, you see a lot of losing teams sustain losses for a number of years. Uh, 
when they have bad cultures. They have cultures where you don't try and win every week, where you're trying to – what are we going to do in the draft? What are we going to do in the free agency? What can we do over here? Um, you know, in football, this isn't basketball. One draft pick isn't going to make us a Super Bowl champion. It might be a big start to a Super Bowl championship, but it's always going to be about the team. Yeah. Well said. Take it up with your coach. Joe Theismann on Twitter. What they are doing is wrong, and that's of the Eagles. Tony Bruno, at least Doug Peterson waited till the last game before losing the entire locker room. Hashtag die, Eagles die. <laughs> Golden Tate, I think the Eagles just hate us more than Washington. That's the only thing that can make sense, right? Hey, Golden, get your wife involved in this. She's a spicy one on social media. Somebody tweeted, when your starting quarterback looks like this on national TV, it tells you all you need to know about the kind of program Peterson is running. And it's Jalen Hurts sort of with a bemused eyes looking up at the camera. Maybe you saw the camera, maybe not. Who knows? It's like, hmm, yeah, okay. I got benched in this game. I seem to remember, uh, here's another one from Mr. H. By the way, on the Doug stupidity scale, this ranks about a four. Somebody sent this great tweet of a preacher. Why? 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 Somebody else tweeted, this is like when Kevin Nash laid down for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and I swear, I seem to remember Andy Reid doing this in a big game. Well, not a big game. A game late in the year. Didn't have significance for them. But it had significance for the team they were playing. Maybe it was the Redskins. Maybe it was the Packers. I don't remember. And Andy Reid on a whim once benched somebody for Coy Detmer just to see if it would work out, and it did not. For anyone who can remember that game, let me know. That said, big props to Alex Smith, NFC East champion, finished the game Unbelievable courage, unbelievable toughness. It's a hell of a story. It will be made into a movie someday. Mark my words. And speaking of making things into something, you have to check out on social media what Alex Smith's wife did for him with his old external fixator device. You know, the big metal erector set that was on his rebuilt leg for something like, I don't know, 10 months. Is that possible? Six months? Long ass time. She had somebody who works with metal turn it into a replica of the Lombardi trophy. Wow. That is awesome. Take a look at it online. Alex Smith's wife turns husband's leg brace into Super Bowl replica trophy, and it is amazing. All hail the Wolfskins, and you'll forgive me if I don't go run out and buy a t-shirt for this one. Let me end on some of the incredibly affirming feedback I've gotten from listeners and you guys, followers, etc. One percenters about my decision to uh, dial it back a bit move to weekends on WJFK and not do a weekday, Monday through Friday, three-hour show on the Team 980. 
I've been humbled by it because it's been so heartfelt from all you all you guys who have reached out to me, guys and gals, young and old, who have told me the great stories about I first heard you doing this and I first heard you doing that and I, you took me through grad school and I grew up listening to you with my dad in the car because that's what he listened to and other such stories. It reaffirms that I have been through this thing right here a big part of your life and that you have said to me over and over that by your authenticity, it feels like you and I are friends who have never met. And that to me is the highest compliment I can get because that's the kind of radio, that's the kind of spoken word programming that I have always wanted to do. And what I appreciate the most in addition to you guys remembering shit that I had long since forgotten where I'm like, oh yeah. Of course, sometimes you're like, remember that time you did this, that, did that? And I go, mm, no, I I don't remember that actually. But the other thing I appreciate the most is hearing what you guys reflect back to me about what you appreciate in my style and the content of my shows and everything else. For example, Dave Hudach emails to say, Zabe, congratulations on your latest move. I must honestly say that since your extrication from your national morning show, my morning routine sure did require some adjustment. But hey, that's life, right? But I give you so much credit for starting the podcast and continuing diligently with it. It's probably been the best way for you to hone your identity, to be your own producer and director. Nice work indeed. Since I discovered you back in the mid-90s on one-on-one sports, I've come to like and respect the maturity that you have. And at the same time, you also have a child, a certain childlike innocence as well. And those are commendable qualities. Keep in mind, as my philosophy professor said when I was in college, childlike does not mean childish. Those two are very different. Childish is bad. Childlike is good. You exemplify that level of maturity in the podcast as you discuss your move to Saturday mornings, and it is clear as you talk about it that you are not just saying the right things. What comes across is that you mean what you say. He goes on to say, I think you are 100% correct that the podcast digital approach is really where things are going. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, I really think you are close to turning the podcast into video and having one of the best sports talk video shows on YouTube ever made. Of course, I don't, I I know what he's saying. I want to try to do that. I have serious doubts that I can cut through the YouTube clutter, but we'll see. Anyway, I'll try to remain as childlike as possible because that is the fun of life and sports and being excited about new toys and cameras and oh my god did you see that game and getting excited about things yes a child gets excited about things a grizzled jaded adult is like about everything that's not me and I try to stay away from being childish even though at times some will accuse me of being just that Anyhow, some of you have asked about where can I get the podcast of the 106.7, the fan show. And from last week, I think it's on the radio.com platform, uh, the radio.com app under 106.7. I think it's in, quote, overtime. But I got to be honest, first show was It was barely, uh, barely past restaurant grade. It was really not very good. It was very bare. 
had very little time to get things going. I was just getting to know the producer. I was under the weather. Uh, I got a lot of excuses. It was just me at home. I'm still trying to figure out what the show needs to be. Don't worry about that. Uh, Last week, the first show was nothing. You didn't miss shit, okay? Next week, though, is when you can start tuning in, and I'll find out exactly when the show or where the show is going to be posted on the digital platform on radio.com. All right, that will do it for me. What a night. Woo, boy. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Happy New Year. We are off and running. As always, tune in 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. Listen via the iHeart app as well. If you don't live in the Milwaukee metro, I think you'll come to like the show. It's, it's spry. It's lively. It's got a different vibe than the afternoons. And, hey, it's a lot of Milwaukee, Wisconsin sports, but it's a lot of other things as well. So I say give it a try, I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure. You may like it. You may not. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.